It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Thank you for making time for us today and for looking deeper into the news and issues of the day. This last week, we celebrated Juneteenth, which is quite a new holiday for many people. We are also on the rise in victimhood, critical race theory, reparations, and conversations about race. A hot new book is laying out the history of race issues and asking the hard questions. So enter our guest today. Time Magazine and CNN named him one of the 20 foremost physicians and scientists in the U.S. He was awarded the Spingarm Medal, which is the highest annual award given out by the NAACP, the Ralph Metcalf Award for Health from the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. And he has been a pioneer in neurosurgery, served as former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and has even been a presidential candidate. But his latest excitement, and I'll say I'm excited about this, is his book. It comes from his experience, knowledge, and heart. It's called Created Equal. The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Carson, I am very thankful that you're sharing this book with us today. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be with you to talk about this topic. You are actually at an age where, as a very young boy, you recall seeing the white and colored drinking fountains and bathrooms in America, some of this painful past that you talk about is actually some of yours. Oh, without question. Uh, as a six-year-old, I remember going to Chattanooga, Tennessee and seeing the whites and colored uh, signs for the drinking fountain in the bathrooms and having uh, parents and relatives say, uh, make sure you pay attention to those signs. They said, you won't have to do that when you get back to Detroit. But uh Things were very, very different in those days. And one of the things that I remember specifically as a child is uh, whenever a black person came on television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. You called everybody into the living room, hey, come and see this. And uh, just in my lifetime now, look how different it is. Now you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations. We've elected a black president twice Black Vice President, to say that we have not made tremendous progress is just a falsehood. Uh, We have made great progress. Doesn't mean that we don't have more progress to make. Doesn't mean that we haven't reached nirvana, but it it doesn't really help us when we can't even admit what has happened. And we need to build on the, the tremendous progress we've made rather than dredging up all the worst things that have happened. Slavery was terrible, I will agree. But, you know, 1619 Project, the CRT, things like that, try to make it seem like the United States is uniquely evil because of Mm. slavery. Virtually every society has had to deal with slavery since there's been a written history of mankind. And there are actually more slaves in the world today than there have ever been at any point in time. When you look at human trafficking and the major consumer of it, United States of America. So it's not like we have to go looking for some evil. It's here with us right now, and we need to deal with it. 
But if there is something unique about the United States, it's that we had so many people who were horrified by the concept of slavery that we were willing to fight a civil war and lose a large portion of our population to get rid of it. When we talk about uh, systemic racism, disproportionalism, or even things like reparations, and you mentioned the Civil War, I think, man, people really did pay for slavery with their very blood. And there has been good people, even as there are good people today, that look for a deeper story. On, on this program, we call it the God story, Dr. Carson, but that deeper story gives us a better insight and it, it propels us to go against the narrative, uh, the going narrative of society and look for that deeper story. Uh, absolutely. Um, many deep stories in our country. And one of the things, the deeper story for me is that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. And we have got to be smart enough to recognize that we're being manipulated into believing that someone who disagrees with you, someone who has a different yard sign, somehow is mm -hmm. your enemy. Uh, you know, our Judeo-Christian values say, love your neighbor. It doesn't say, hate your neighbor if they disagree with you. Try to cancel your neighbor. Try to make their life miserable. I mean, this is completely the opposite of the Judeo-Christian values that helped found this country. It is pure evil, nothing, no better description of it than that. In your book, you do lay out some of the history, some of the uh, systemic racism, you could say, that you lived through and you're growing up in Detroit and, and Boston beyond Jim Crow laws. Um, sometimes there weren't even overt signs, but systems in place that maintained the purity of neighborhoods. So you've lived through this. You That's lay cool. it out really beautifully in your book. And yet today it's as though we, we want to see ourselves in that same light. Well, we're, we have people who are using the race issue, issue as a cudgel to beat people into submission, mm -hmm. uh, to make white people feel guilty, to make black people and other minorities feel like victims. And, you know, it's a, a terrible thing to place upon a society because if you have a whole bunch of people feeling guilty, what do guilty people do? They keep their mouths shut. They stand in the corner with their head down. I hope nobody calls them a nasty name. Mm. And then you can go ahead and do all kinds of horrible things like defund the police, let horrible criminals out to terrorize neighborhoods, uh, not guard your southern border so that anybody can come in here, including terrorists who want to destroy our country. Um, and no one will say anything. And then as far as the victimhood is concerned, if you convince people that they're victim, uh, then you have a natural ally for someone who wants to fundamentally change the society that you're living in. And uh, they're being manipulated, obviously. But that's why it's so important, you know, books like this to help people to understand what is actually going on, what is behind all of this, and to recognize that we actually have a choice to make going forward. Are we going to build upon the failures, the things that were wrong in our society, or are we going to build on the tremendous pr 
progress that we've made. We get to decide that, and it will make a big difference into what kind of country we are. Well, right. We get to decide that. So we need to critically look at the situation. I'm I'm open to saying, okay, how's this defund the police thing working? I live in Seattle, next door to Portland. I could answer that, but that would take all of our time today. And I'm here to talk to you. Let's let's talk briefly about how some of these choices may be made thinking that we want to do the right thing and, and we care about people. All right. How is that working out for black America? Well, interestingly enough, uh, there, there has been some progress uh, significantly in terms of Blacks who have moved into the, the middle class and the upper classes. Uh, when you watch television, you don't see much of that. Uh, they still try to portray most Blacks as poor and, and living together. Most of them are not poor and living together, quite frankly. Um, so there has been progress. But not nearly as much as there should be. And the emphasis really needs to be on those things that bring people out of poverty. There was a a great study done uh, by uh, one of the left-leaning institutes, the Brookings Institute. Mm. Um, And they concluded after this massive study of a large number of people that there were three things that you could do that would reduce your likelihood of living in poverty to 2% or less. Number one, finish high school, the importance of that basic education. Number two, get married, the importance of family. Number three, wait until you're married to have children, the importance of using your brain to actually plan your life. And, you know, those are things that we used to know. Now it's news. Uh, and, 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 you know, we really need to get back to some basics. You know, you look at the kinds of things that we're teaching our children in school. Uh, you know, when Alexis de Tocqueville came here in 1831, one of the things that impressed him was the tremendous school system that we had. He could find a mountain man in the, in the forest and the, and the guy could read and the guy could tell him about the Constitution. I mean, it was an amazing thing. And if you really want to be impressed, dig up an exit exam for the sixth grade in the mid-1800s and see what you were required to know to get a sixth grade. It's it's funny when you read the Founding Fathers, too. Sometimes, um, even at this level of my life, I have to admit, Dr. Carson, I've maybe used a dictionary. What? What? (laughs) And I feel like we're almost de-evolving. But one thing that has been at the forefront and we just celebrated this week is Juneteenth, which is now a national holiday. And it makes an assumption of history based on one article. And now it's a national holiday. And yet many people know little about it and just accept a a narrative that is not necessarily historically accurate. Well, you know, it's, it's not really so much about the date as it is the celebration of freedom. The, the last vestiges of bondage and servitude were broken on that day. And what does America represent? It represents freedom. For people all over the world who are oppressed, they look to this country. 
And even though there are those who are trying to denigrate our nation and say that it's systemically racist and horrible, if it were all that horrible, why would people be forming caravans trying to get in here? And when they got here, wouldn't they call their relatives and friends and say, don't come here, this is a horrible place. This is not what's happening. And we have a lot of people, particularly on the left, who are trying to say, don't believe your ears, don't believe your eyes, don't believe your heart. Just listen to us, we'll tell you what's the truth. Technocracy. And it's just the opposite. Yeah, and we had, we do. We have this rise of technocracy. You know, we know so much better. And uh, I think uh, bringing attention to our past, you know, the history repeats itself. Uh, so it's not so much as you said, Juneteenth, or recalling it. It's that I think that we have lost the idea of sin. And so we rebrand it, we rebrand our hate, we rebrand our resentment, or even it, it, on the lighter side, ignorance, and we call it something else, and now all of a sudden it's noble, but it's the same old sin, just a different day, and we don't realize it. Absolutely, and you know, as our nation moves further away from its Judeo-Christian mm. roots and values, look what's happening to us. I mean, we're going down the tube pretty quickly here. And I, I don't think it's too late to revive, but we need to go back and look at some of those founding principles. That's, that's why you know, we started the American Cornerstone Institute, looking at the principle of faith, of liberty, of community, and of life. And those are the things that we need to embrace again. Respect for other people's lives respect for other people's opinion, being able to work together as a community, regardless of our beliefs, allowing people to live the kind of life that they want to live. That was the promise of America. And as all of our coins and bills say, trust in God. Well, in our final minute together, Dr. Carson, uh, there are three documents that I just want to briefly mention. And one is the Constitution. In that Constitution, it was inevitable for freedom to reign, for, for Black America, for women, for other minorities. It just was the way it was set up. It's indicative of what's in your book and by the title of your book, all men created equal. Your book is called Created Equal, a glorious book that walks us through the past, the craziness of what we're experiencing today, and you give hope. And that's where I wanted to end with the final book. We get to the God story on My Michelle Live. And I think there is one story in your book that was a very simple and short experience where you walked in grace and forgiveness. That's where I wanted to end because that's what we need. We yes. need to walk in grace and forgiveness. And as I was thinking in the late seventies, I want to say, and as a doctor, a young doctor there, you would often be mistaken as an orderly and your reaction maybe gives insight into how that God story plays out in each one of us when we're, when we could walk in offense, walk in anger, walk in blame making a different yes. choice. Well, you know, I realized that people weren't necessarily being malignant or racist. They were acting according to their past. And in their past, 
any black man who came onto the ward with scrubs on was an orderly. So why would they think I was a surgeon? So it wasn't necessary because they were evil. And that's the way I treat them. I would say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not here to pick up anybody. I'm Dr. Carson. And they turn about 18 shades of red. And I would be really nice to them. And I had a friend for life. There you go. <laughs> and they learned an important lesson. See, to me, as I was reading your book, I realized that you have been an ambassador of Black America, uh, just as we can be, I can be an ambassador of uh, Hispanic America or of, of women or of something deeper for me, uh, a woman of faith. We are ambassadors. And as such, we can make that difference. And that's where I wanted to, to end in, in making that difference. Um, can you address that as my final question to you today? Yes. Well, we all have a sphere of influence. Some people don't think they have a sphere of influence, but there are always people who are watching you, uh, who are observing how you lead your life and you are having an impact on them. But you can determine in your sphere of influence, how are you gonna treat people? Are you gonna be someone who loves your neighbor? Or are you gonna be someone who despises your neighbor? Or are you gonna be someone who holds hands with those who create problems for others? Or are you gonna stand up and speak for those who can't speak for themselves? As it says in Proverbs 24, uh, verse 12, God knows whether you stood silently in the corner or whether you said something. We have a responsibility, the Bible states it very specifically. So use that sphere of influence in a very positive way. Well, we're standing against Hollywood and the media and uh, social media and so many other outlets. And yet uh, you're a man who has always stood up. And I so respect that. Delighted to have you with us today and encouraging you as you're watching, listening or reading to pick up the book, Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present and a hopeful future of race in America. Dr. Ben Carson has been my guest today. Thank you, Dr. Ben Carson. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful being with you. More news and views at mymichellelive.com.